Today is Quinquagesima Sunday, and the gospel being appointed for this day is from St. Luke's Gospel, the 18th chapter, beginning with the first verse. Then he took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he will be delivered to the Gentiles, and will be mocked and insulted and spit upon. They will scourge him and kill him, and the third day he will rise again. But they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not know the things which were spoken. Then it happened, as he was coming near Jericho, that a certain blind blind man sat by the road begging. And hearing a multitude passing by, he asked what it meant. So they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And he cried out, saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then those who went before warned him that he should be quiet. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he had come near, he asked him, saying, What do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Receive your sight, your faith has made you well. Immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from Jesus Christ, his Son, our Savior. Amen. This is now the final Sunday in this season between seasons, the three Sundays of Gesematide. They are often called pre-Lent, and there is certainly an aspect of preparation for the coming penitential season. After all, they take their name by their distance in days from Easter. But these Sundays have a character which is their own, which stands them in distinction from that which came before and that which comes after. Consider what we have heard in these weeks. On Septuagesma, two Sundays ago, we heard the parable of the landowner and his gracious call to men to labor in his vineyard. For the kingdom of heaven, we were told, is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. The parable was not about the labors of the men in the vineyard as much as it was about the gracious call of the landowner and the hard-heartedness of those who imagined that they deserved something from him on account of their works. Thus we read concerning the landowner. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give to this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? So the last will be first and the first last. For many are called, but few chosen. The early laborers wanted to make the story to be about how hard they worked, and not the generosity of the one who gave them purpose. They were wrong. Last Sunday we heard the parable of the sower, and the Lord instructed his apostles, To you it has been, it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is given in parables that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. The vast majority of those who heard the word brought no fruit to maturity. But the parable is about the power of God which is manifest in the proclaimed word. For thus we hear. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. That there are those who are lost is the fault of those who reject the divine word. That any are saved and thus are fruitful is solely on account of the Lord creating and sustaining faith in those who hear is about the gracious character of him who so generously causes his word to be sown abroad. Today, 
We do not hear one of the Lord's parables. Instead, he speaks to his disciples very, very directly. For thus we read, Then he took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he will be delivered to the Gentiles, and will be mocked and insulted and spit upon. They will scourge him and kill him. And the third day he will rise again. As our Lord so spoke after the faithful confession by St. Peter in Matthew 16. So again, he declared to the twelve in very clear terms concerning the coming atonement through the shedding of his blood and his resurrection from the dead on the third day. But scripture records, But they understood none of these things. The saying was hidden from them, and they did not know the things which were spoken. On all three Gesma Sundays, we thus behold that those who hear often fail to understand. The Lord proclaims his word, but those who hear are slow to understand. Today it is only the blind man who sees Jesus for who he is, the Son of God, who is the Lord. As I noted last Sunday, a faithful encounter with the word is never a casual encounter with the word. One does not just sort of pop by and see what the word of God has to say about this or that. When we read the gospel, we hear the Lord proclaiming a word which is literally a matter of life and death. The word confronts us. It lays bare our hypocrisies and sins. It proclaims that we deserve death. There is no place for flippantly approaching the word of God. So too, the word proclaims life and salvation to those who repent and believe. The blind man perceived by faith who it was that was near at hand, and even the multitude could not silence him as he cried out to the Lord, the promised Son of David, for mercy. But the apostles, even those who beheld the Lord on the Mount of Transfiguration, did not perceive the meaning of his word. In the fullness of time, the Lord called his apostles, as he had done with Moses and the prophets in ages past, to teach the church through the faithful, perfect proclamation of the divine word in Holy Scripture. St. Paul teaches and reminds us that our knowledge remains imperfect in this world. All the Lord has given us is inerrant and perfect, but the frailty of our human nature and the limitation of our mind and soul hamper our ability to receive it. Thus we hear in the appointed epistle from 1 Corinthians 13, For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. So now we see in a mirror, dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know, just as I also am known. Now, what we know is true and faithfully divine word must be upheld against all human error, which imperils the souls of countless millions. Though we know dimly, we know truthfully. And we cling to the divine word, knowing that the Lord will deliver us from the darkness of this fallen world to dwell with him in the unending light of the life of the world to come. The blind beggar perceived Jesus aright. Though we lack this world's treasures, when he heard that the Christ had come, he called out to the Lord, the Son of David, to help him. How often men and women in our own age see their plights as occasions to blame God for the troubles, sickness, and death which befall all men. This blind beggar stands as an example of the way in which such infirmity 
may even clarify one's need for divine aid. Even the attempt of the multitude to silence him could not overcome his faith. He trusted that the words of Isaiah 35 were being fulfilled in the time of the coming of the Messiah. For there we read, that the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb sing. For waters shall burst forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. Living waters flowed forth, and the sins of the people were washed away in the cleansing flood of holy baptism. The blind, deaf, and dumb were healed as a witness to the people that the Messiah, the Son of God, had come to deliver his people from death. For all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished, for he will be delivered to the Gentiles, and will be mocked and insulted and spit upon. They will scourge him and kill him, and the third day he will rise again. The word of God is fulfilled. No infirmity in our flesh or failure in our perception will set aside the word. The slowness of the apostles to believe on this occasion could not overcome the fulfillment of the divine word. On each of these Gesima Sundays, therefore, we are reminded, it is not about you. It is about the Christ, who came in love to accomplish our salvation, and who sent forth his Holy Spirit to work faith in our hearts, and to sustain that faith, so that we would be saved through faith in the Christ. He has delivered us from death, and grants sight to the spiritually blind, that we would behold our Lord. In these trying times, there is conflict confronting the church which we cannot turn away from nor utterly avoid. We are confronted both near and far with immorality and injustice, demanding the recognition of men. We see the hatred which the godless pour forth against the Christian faith, and the persecution which even now afflicts many men and women. The Christian responds with love, but that love is not what sinful men imagine love to be, as if true love were a sappy sentimentality. Love, St. Paul teaches us, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Christian love is not ambivalent to evil, for evil must be rebuked. Christian love is not indifferent to the lie. The lie must be rebuked and the truth proclaimed. As we read in Amos, the fifth chapter, For I know your manifold transgressions and your mighty sins, afflicting the just and taking bribes, dividing the poor from justice at the gate. Therefore the prudent keep silent at that time, for it is an evil time. Speak good and not evil, that you may live, so the Lord God of hosts will be with you, as you have spoken. Hate good, love evil, establish justice in the gate. It may be that the Lord God of hosts will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. The Christian, because of his love for the triune God and because of his love for his brethren in Christ Jesus, is called to resist evil and to proclaim the truth. In the midst of such trying circumstances, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love does not despair in the face of the conflict with evil. It does not yield as it faces the fury of those who have been subverted by Satan. When he wrote to the Romans, St. Paul spoke quite directly against evil because of his love for the truth. Paul described the foolishness of the idolatry of those who rejected God's word. Whereas Paul wrote, Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts, to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. 
For this reason God gave them up to vile passions, and even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Anyone who has been confronted by the satanic hatred of those who have become so foolish understand what Paul is writing here. And such a one knows that those who love evil and hate good will establish perversity and persecute the children of God. Love never fails, but we are weak, and often our love of God, our love of truth, our love of the brethren, fails because of weakness, temptation, or persecution. The disciples loved the Lord, but in the weakness and blindness of the moment, they did not perceive what the Lord was teaching them. Thus the church prays in the collect, O Lord, we beseech thee, mercifully hear our prayers, and having set us free from the bonds of sin, defend us from all evil. We need the Lord to free us and defend us, or we would remain captive to sin. If the Lord did not steadfastly defend us, we would be swept away in a moment. The man who despaired of anything within himself delivering him from the darkness cried out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Even when so many people from the crowd cried out to him to keep silent, he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. The faith which the Holy Spirit had created within the heart of that blind man moved him to so pray in faith and to endure despite his own temptations to despair, and against the cries of the multitude. It was for this man that the Son of Man came, that this man, and we as well, could partake of the blessed healing which the Lord alone can give. Christ Jesus proclaimed this salvation, the love of God for sinners, a love so great that the Lord does not wink and nod at sin, but rather makes atonement for sin, through the death of the Son of God on the cross. Love moves us to speak the truth. For our desire is that all men would repent of their sins and trust in Christ Jesus for redemption. The fears that attend the rise and fall of nations of the world keep us mindful that our, civil, our citizenship is in heaven, and that Christ Jesus, who rose victoriously from the dead, is our everlasting King. The leaders of the nations of this world are often vain men, far removed from the sufferings of those whom they have been called to govern. The Christ carried our sins in his own body, so that all who believe in him would receive the full forgiveness of their sins. We now prepare to enter the Lenten days of repentance. The troubles of this world remind us of the pervasive, corrupting influence of sin in our own lives and throughout all human existence from the time of the fall in the garden. Whether one looks to the physical blindness of the one man or the spiritual blindness which the disciples displayed momentarily, we see the need for the light which only the Lord gives. As we pass through the season of Lent, our thoughts turn to the darkness within, which so easily arises within us, on account of sin. And we find our comfort and consolation in Christ Jesus alone, who delivers us from death and the darkness of sin. We are not left alone. We have life and peace through the Christ, who in love for us gave his life for us, for our redemption, and who rose again to establish this hope for us, which no man can take away. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord, we beseech thee, mercifully hear our prayers, and having set us free from the bonds of sin, defend us from all evil, through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. The people of Salem Lutheran Church of Malone invite you to visit them today for the 10.30 a.m. worship service. We also invite you to join us for our Ash Wednesday services this week 
at 11 a.m. and 7 p.m. on Wednesday. Salem is located approximately two miles north of Malone off of FM 308. These broadcasts are provided through the support of the members of Salem Lutheran Church of Malone.